0: Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. I'm your host, and Magnify's founder, Ruth Yumika Afalabi. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited and honoured to welcome you to the first episode of the Magnify podcast. It's amazing this is finally out. We've had it in the pipeline for the past two years, but recently we've been able to record episodes which will roll out weekly. Personally, I've been so inspired getting to talk to people I've admired for many years from around the world, hearing their journeys, honestly hearing about their challenges and how their faith has shaped what they do. For today and our first episode... I'm excited to speak to Kumbi, who's based in New York with her husband and son. She's someone I've admired for many years. I spoke to her about how she's built her business and also thrived in her career as a lawyer, as well as balancing that with marriage and having a son. At the end of the episode, we spoke about the most challenging part of Kumbi's journey so far, which was her journey of infertility and how her faith kept her going in this time and the joy of having a son. I know this is going to be an amazing episode to start with, and I really hope you enjoy it. As you'll see, we started our conversation making sure I could say Kumbi's brand correctly. Perfette, is that how you say it?
1: Oh, no, it's, it's so funny that so many people say that it's perfect, like the perfect fit.
0: Oh, because I've been saying perfect since the name changed. Oh, my yeah, I know. I, somebody else said that to me, like, one of my
1: really good friends. She's like, oh, perfecte. I know. It just means perfect fit.
0: Oh. great like word. Amazing. How are you doing? I am doing good.
1: Um, I haven't, like, lost my mind completely yet, so that's good. Yeah. I mean, we're on week six. Is it six? Yeah, we're on week six of our um, lockdown.
0: Because you're in New so, York, aren't you? I'm sorry? Are you in New York?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm in New York. So um, this has been going on forever and we expect it to go for a bit longer. So
0: I'm not, I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> All oh, things considered. Amazing. And mm. how's your husband and your, you have a son. Yes, that's correct. Yes, I do. How
1: I do. They're doing pretty well. My husband's um, a pediatrician. So he has to go to work primarily most of the time, but he's doing well and my son's fine.
0: He doesn't know what's happening. He's two. <laughs> so as long as he's fed and everything's good, he's good. Oh, amazing. It's just like such a, like you, I'm just trying to be positive. Just try to take each day Yeah, and it comes. Um, I get what I mean. For all of us, I think it's been a great time with your businesses or brands just to actually take stock of where you are. I think so. So we're going to start, Kumbi, with our quick fire questions to get to know you. Um, So Mm -hmm. the first question I always ask is if you could have a dinner party with four fabulous guests from any era, dead or alive, who would you invite and why? Okay, so first of all, thank you for
1: sending me this question in advance because, like, um, first, so I thought about it, and um, I think the four people I would love to have—and I wasn't even joking—first one is Jesus because I need to know a lot of things, I need to talk about stuff. But um, secondly, it's um, Michelle Obama, Beyoncé. I say Beyonce because I know Michelle and Beyonce know each other, so it'll be great, you know, <laughs> they'll have somebody to talk to, because Michelle is like ultimate goals to me um, professionally. But also, um, Beyonce, I would like to know what it's like to live with the greatest person on earth, because Blue Ivy has oh to be somebody God. that... I love that. Um, right? Like she's perfect. So I need to know how it is, how, like, how it is to be able to live with someone that's bigger than you, like just completely glorious and absolutely, you know, everything. And then I think the last person for me, um, so it'd be, I, that, this was tricky. I wanted to say, I know you didn't say fictional or non-fictional because I would have thought about Hermione Granger, but, um, in general, I think for me professionally, I'd love to sit down with Anna Winter. And just in general, because like her, her ability to stay relevant and at the helm, even though we all watch Devil West Prada, so we know how some of it went down, but like her, her tenacity and like the whole idea of being this relevant and publishing for so long is such a major brand is really inspiring. And I think it would be great to have a conversation with her. Fun fact, she was on my flight last month oh wow yeah <laughs> she was but um yeah fear and she was, like, <laughs> she was like miles away from me like she was walking ahead of me and by the time I realized and also you know corona the coronavirus fear had already started
0: so yeah, it wasn't nobody's trying to like, get to any new people nobody's <laughs> trying to
1: make more. and JFK was a mess so I didn't get to speak to her but I think those those would be the four people for me
0: Amazing. We actually have a pretty similar list. Um, oh, well, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, so our next que- question is how do you like to relax and switch off?
1: I'm, I'm doing one of the things I like to do now, even though it's 12 noon in the afternoon, anybody that knows my brand knows that wine is involved. So mm-hmm. um, that's one. <laughs> um, I love a good glass of X, whatever the X is, it's just, you know, wine or whatever it is. And then I, there's nothing I enjoy more than mindlessly watching Netflix for hours because half the time I'm not really paying attention, but it's just great to have the noise in the background. <laughs> so for me, those are the two things. <laughs>
0: um, and finally, what's a weird or surprising fact about you? Hmm.
1: Um, I think I'm generally weird, but um, a surprising fact is, I think, oh, wow, this one's tricky because I didn't even think about it. Um, I am... It's not weird. I'm obsessed with handbags. Those things are normal, but I'm ridiculously, ridiculously obsessed with Harry Potter.
0: Oh, um, Oh, I could have guessed that from your um, dinner party. I mean, you would know this by (laughs) now.
1: You would know, but like, um, yeah, that's that's definitely the weird part for me. I'm one of those people that um, at age, I can't remember, I think I was 19 or 18. I was waiting at the midnight um, release for like the last two books. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, with children, like with nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds. And the problem, I think the weird and interesting part is I had no shame and I did not feel any kind of way about being the double adult there.
0: So I always like to find out about people's childhoods and kind of the mm-hmm. values and experiences that shapes them. because um, so I think that often tells us a lot about why you do what you do now. So what was your childhood like and what were the values that shaped you? My childhood was,
1: um, my childhood was nice. It was, um, I say nice because that's, (laughs) that's how I put it in general. Like when I'm trying to like, you know, deflect mostly, but my childhood was um, still many things. I grew up in Nigeria um, and uh, my father had three wives. My mom was a third of three. And, um, my childhood was, I think my childhood revolved generally around me and my two siblings from my mom, because we didn't live with my dad until we were about like 10 or 11. And, um, most of it was just, you know, like, I think every, most children that grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, in like, you know. Like middle class, middle, I'll say middle-class children that grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, probably have similar backgrounds in terms of how their childhood grew. But mine really, really, really is rooted in like my mom and my two siblings. That's the unit I've always known. And my father passed away when I was 13.
0: Oh,
1: wow. um, and yeah, so it's always been my mom and the three of us. So I say that that's really where most of who I am comes from most of who I am comes from my religion, my, cause I mean, my dad, um, was a somewhat affluent, affluent man in Nigeria. He, he was actually, I know we hear it a lot, but he's a Nigerian prince. <laughs> and, and I don't mean the ones that are in the emails, <laughs> like, <laughs> I promise you, like, um, my dad was, um, the brother of a big King in Nigeria. And it was just like, we were comfortable for sure. But then when my dad died, everything kind of like just shifted. My mom had to like, you know, kick in with everything that she had sold everything and got us going, which her story is like truly one of the most beautiful things that I've ever like had the pleasure of experiencing. But, um, most importantly, my mom leaned on God. That's all my mom, like <laughs> my mom's password for everything, something to do with God. <laughs> like that's That's how like her entire being revolves around that. And it's been for me that has been the greatest learning experience in growth for me is how, Everything that I am, everything that I didn't even want to be is rooted in the relationship that I have with my mom and
0: the relationship that I've seen my mom have with other people. Um, People say, you know, your childhood might spur a desire to be very independent or to create wealth Mm -hmm. or to do something different. Would you say kind of seeing your mom and what she went through, what were the kind of things that really you felt as a result, I really want to do or I really want to be that woman?
1: For one, first of all, the first thing I knew is that I wanted to be a lawyer. I felt like there were so many things, like just watching the legal system fail us in general growing up was one of those things where I was like, huh, yeah, I mean... I went into law school knowing that I wanted to be a lawyer. I claimed that I wanted to be, you know, a lawyer that was fighting for rights, but the truth is I've always been, had an affinity for money and business. So like, I knew that I was going into law school to do something legal, law, sorry, going into school to do something law-based. So when I came to America, that was the thing. I have an undergrad in business and a law degree from Fordham. So those were the things that just kind of, like my mom for sure impacted that. I think at one point or the other, I wanted to be a dancer, but I can't dance for anything. (laughs) But um, once I, once I, you know, grew sense and became a teenager, I was like, oh, okay, maybe the dancing is not working for me. If I could dance, that would be a different story, but I can't. So I'm not going to make money from this. And then I decided I was going to be a lawyer. And that's really where it's gone from the beginning. Like my my career in publishing, which is the second half of me, obviously, didn't come until later. But for, like, in terms of how my childhood impacted me, it's always been the law part. Second one, actually, when I think about it, let's like, another thing that also come out of that childhood is the, like, I've always prioritized, like, living in my own bubble. Wow. Like, trying to create my own happy because a lot of things happened in our child- in my childhood that's just really like like been heavy a lot of things have happened to me even now as i'm thirty three like a lot of things have happened over my lifespan that have been like really heavy, and it's really important for me to be able to create a world where it's like People might think it's frivolous, might think it's whatever the thing, but I've always been about finding my own happiness and finding something, like focusing on the things that are actually spark joy, like Mary Kondo says.
0: Amazing. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a lawyer and also whether there was a tension, because you said also you studied business first. Was there a tension in mm-hmm. wanting to be an entrepreneur as well? And how did that kind of all work out?
1: Honestly for me I don't even know like I think at the beginning I always call myself the accidental entrepreneur because I don't know if I necessarily wanted to be one um and then um I actually started off in cuz I like I always say I'm always led I feel like god is always laughing at all my plans and I'm always just led down a path and I'll go it I'll go where where I'm led and just kind of follow the route or whatever so um I found I um uh, I saw a listing in my Fordham Law School um, j- job board that said somebody was looking for a paralegal. I hadn't graduated law school then. So I just wanted the experience and I get there and this guy, the, the, my boss that was interviewing me, who's my boss now, actually, he, <laughs> oh, this is, <laughs> I'll get to it. But <laughs> like um, when he was interviewing me, he was talking about, oh, like something, something, oh, your last name's Shijuare. Uh, do you know, like your dad was blah, blah, blah And I'm like, wait how does this New Yorker know anything, anything about my like, like, who my father was or where I came from and things like that? Apparently he had studied Yoruba history, which is my tribe. Oh, wow. When um, for some kind of paper he was doing, he, he has a wild imagination. He's one of those people, he's a, he writes on the side. So it was just, I just felt like it was supposed to be. It was a very random conversation. And now 10 years later, I am still at that firm. Wow as an attorney, and it's really one of those. he actually even came to my wedding in nigeria so yeah um I think that's so for me that was my my move into law in terms of how I am where I am now because I'm an attorney that handles um i always say that it's for passion fueled businesses, wow. so it's mostly um because and I'm sure we'll get to that but um because of my publishing career because of what i've um my work in the events and industry space. I've always been drawn to people who have created side hustles, people who have created passion fueled businesses, because I'm a very passionate person. And um, that came about around the same time when I was getting married, where I decided that I wanted to start a small wedding blog and things just kind of spiraled out of control after that. So it's always been important for me to cater to the people that I can relate to
0: amazing and um, so I want to move on to your publishing and business career because anyone who knows perfect which will be a lot of our readers it is just absolutely incredible and I know even before I was engaged I was always looking on it when it was our perfect before and also then going to my wedding planner and being like I love these flowers and they're like yeah that will be around 100 grand so maybe uh, yeah <laughs> that's always that that's a different story <laughs> yeah How did you um, start that and how has it kind of grown? Because obviously a lot of people have ideas. A lot of people start blogs that don't really turn into anything that anyone's Mm -hmm. reading. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about that journey.
1: Okay. So yeah, um, I started my blog, which was actually originally called I'll Perfect in um, 2012, the beginning of 2012. I was newly engaged. I was getting married. And um, honestly, I'm one of those people that likes to ramble. Anybody that knows me would know that, so um it was really was not even something that I put complete thought into. Like I said, I always kind of just walk a path of whatever makes me happy or keeps me sane. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was um I was starting I was starting to have a lot of ideas. I was twenty six, and not many of my friends had gotten married. I didn't really see too much of the inspiration that I was looking for outside. On people that looked like me, or like that had the interest that I had—not even necessarily just even my race or anything like that—just like just in general, I wanted somewhere to be able to collect all the ideas I was seeing everywhere else, Mm -hmm. and all the ideas that I had personally. So, one day on Twitter, I tweet, "I'm like, I'm like, I was just tweeting to myself because that's usually what people do," and um, I was just thinking, "I was like, oh, I should start a wedding blog, like just a blog for me to document." my journey to the aisle. And they're like, oh, hey, that, that name sounds kind of cute. How about aisle perfect? I want to be aisle perfect on my wedding day. Wow. And so, yeah, so that's how it started. And I was in my, um, 2012, I was a new lawyer. So I was just, um, I mean, I feel like I wasn't really, I didn't really have too much of a workload at that point. So I was, um, just documenting this. Like I document my bridesmaids journeys, picking things up and everything. I think, At most, the amount of people that were reading my blog then were my bridesmaids. So I'd say the lot of them. (laughs) <laughs> were reading it and some of them by force. My husband didn't even know, my husband-to-be didn't even know I had a blog. So it was something that um, I was just documenting. And then all of a sudden it started to get traction. I guess somebody was sending it to somebody, like people were send it to people that they know that were starting to get engaged at that time. One of the things that I always mention in terms of, you know, starting something is always to trust the timing of it as well. And like, just go with whatever it is, like, you know, Trust, trust your gut and go with it. But at the same time, I think timing is always very important. And so, the timing of me launching that was that a lot of people also were getting engaged in our circle, and so everybody's kind of looking for the answers. Mm. the information to plan their own stuff as well. So that's how Isle perfect took off. One day I just signed in and it was, I think, 10,000 readers or something. And I'm like, hey, wait, (laughs) these numbers aren't making sense. And so it's towards the end of my wedding planning. I guess like once I was getting towards the end, there was enough information for it to be useful to somebody else. And then, um, one, like, like I said, it just started growing from there. And then another day it was hundred thousand. And then all of a sudden we're talking like multiples of numbers. So it was, um, that's really how it started. It wasn't something that I went in thinking it was going to be anything other than me documenting my story. But then the business person in me obviously kicked in, I think a year after, after I had my wedding and I'm like, Hey, this, it seems like the information on this site is useful to the next person. Because then I was starting to receive emails from people saying, oh, hey, this was very useful. This was very useful. Um, Can I send this to my friend? Do you plan weddings? The answer is always
0: (laughs) no to that.
1: So, (laughs) So that's how it just kind of took off. And then I decided that I was going to open it up to submissions from other people and then use it as a wedding planning resource for like brides like me which wow. could mean anything. And that's where we are today. For seven years, it was out perfect until last year. I decided I wanted to expand into um, not just weddings, but the celebration space as well.
0: Amazing. And that's,
1: yeah, so that's how we came about perfect, which means the perfect fete, like
0: party in French. Amazing. Um, so one of my next questions is, what do you think, if you could kind of give two or three um, mm-hmm things that have led to the success. Again, a lot of people start things and even if they grow initially, mm-hmm. um, they don't always last or the yeah. people aren't able to like turn them into a business which can actually fund itself. So what are kind yeah. of two or three traits that you would say have helped you create a sustainable business? I think for me, um, there's several
1: things, but two that I could pick up that I think are I, I, things that I swear by is taking stock, be number one. It's really important to take a step back after a while, and you decide how long that while is going to be, which is actually going to bring me to my second point, but I'll get there in a minute is like, you know, taking stock and reviewing what is working and what isn't. It's really important that if you are trying to make this useful to a consumer or a customer for you to realize what's working and what's not, what is your customer relating to? What will your customer relate to? What inside your what inside whatever it is that passion product is? Is, is, is resonating and what do you think they would like to see more of, which is why I know we, a lot of us run away from surveys because we don't want to put ourselves out there and we don't want to hear the feedback, but it's really important. We don't to want to change.
0: So,
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing. When you're passionate about something, you get really stubborn about it. It's just natural, like at least for me. I'm, I, I actually had mentioned one time like that I do not handle feedback well. I don't. And it's something that I had to come to terms with, in order to grow. Yeah. Because criticism, everything I see and I mean, we could get really psychological about it and say that it has something to do with my childhood, growing up with three wives and blah, blah, blah. But like it's really important that I am not like for me, it's hard for me to digest when somebody's telling me that I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And um that is something I had to set aside to be able to progress. So for me, like I would use our perfect as an example, it's important for you to go back into the analytics. What is somebody, what are they clicking on? What do you see? What's the trend in the things that they're clicking on? What's the trend in the things that they're requesting? What's the trend in the things that they keep coming back to? And those kind of things is where you now start to see And that way you're able to analyze and come to terms with who the actual ideal customer is, the person that you're trying to reach to, like the person that you're trying to connect with, the person that you're trying to sell to, because everything is selling. (laughs) I don't care if you say you're sitting down there and just writing it for yourself, you're selling it to somebody because the only way you're going to be able to grow is for other people to be invested in it as well. Amazing. And then the second thing for me that's huge is like having some kind of skeleton, at least at the bare minimum, even if you're not someone that likes to sit down and do all this work, have some kind of skeleton about what your plan is, at least for the next five years, or even two, something, something beyond tomorrow, because otherwise you're just going to be freestyling it. And that's where it comes back to bite you in the butt.
0: I'm laughing because I've definitely learned that the hard way. Um.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because then everybody keeps asking, you. so what is this? Like, what are you doing this for? And my favorite question, how do you make money? <laughs> and then you need to be able to have those conversations, especially if you're going to try and bring other income in or bring other investors in as well, which is not for everybody, obviously. Sometimes I'm very tight-fisted and trying to even bring another person into something that I have put all my blood, sweat, and tears into. But at the same time, like, there has to be some kind of plan. Mm. as to where this is going otherwise nobody's going to trust it
0: and I um, remember when I read um, Jack Ma of Alibaba's book he always talks to his leadership team and his employees about building a company that's 102 years old and by that he means something that will pass a century Um, Mm -hmm. so that it literally will be that be that old but actually how are you forward planning and actually as a founder building out a wider team so that your business or brand can outlive you Yeah. And that's the hardest part. How do you balance your hustle, which is a a fully fledged business, and your career? And the reason I ask, I definitely know from my experience, I would have loved to hear when I was 21, because I started when I was 19, how to balance Mm -hmm. a career better rather than feeling that I've got no choice and need to kind of go all in with one thing. Obviously, everyone's (laughs) different. But what have been, yeah, some of the key practical things about balancing both? And why is it that you've chosen to balance both and not kind of put your eggs in just one basket?
1: I think for me, um, it's first of all, recognising that balance looks differently for everybody. I think that balance doesn't necessarily have to be a flattened scale. And I think it most likely more needs to look like whatever that lady justice looks like where one of it is hanging and the other one is not. Mm-hmm. Balance is one of those things that just kind of changes over time. And for me to come to terms with that, I wish somebody had told me that ages ago so that I wasn't trying to be misdo at all. Yeah. Because then... Like for someone like me who has so much going on in her head at a time, it gets really overwhelming. And then for a month, I won't do anything. (laughs) I'm that kind of person that would just unplug and run away from everything because it's becoming too much. So what I'm getting at is that I, I just create my own, whatever I call my own balance. I can't do everything perfectly, but I can do certain things at a certain time and like just mm cut myself as much grace and slack as I can. So um, that means so many things. For one, for me, it has been learning to delegate. Like... I think delegation gets a bad rap sometimes because people are delegating. But like some people start to think that it means that you're either like some people, like, you know, people have really random perspectives on these things, but like someone think that, oh, maybe you're being lazy here or, you know, you're you're outsourcing so much. So what the hell are you doing? But outsourcing is what's keeping me sane. So a lot of things. I now I started making room for new writers, A, because it also gives a first perspective. Second, because it also takes that, that a certain amount of, pressure off my chest in terms of the content that my website is giving every single day. That's one on the the publishing side was delegating. But then also on the legal side was also trying not to bite off too much more than I could chew. I'm not trying to be the number one lawyer in the entire world. I'm trying to be a great lawyer to my clients and being able to curate exactly how many of those clients are has been a blessing for me because then I'm not getting overwhelmed. And then I'm not being a disappointment to somebody else. And then lastly, I have a pretty intense toddler <laughs> and a husband as well. So it's really important that I'm also physically present and also mentally present in my home as well. So I cut off things. Everybody thinks that you have to be everything to everybody, but like being able to create boundaries and like, decide how much of a hustler you want to be. Like, I'm sorry, I can't kill myself. I'm not going to do work past 8 p.m. And that's it. You know what I mean? My day doesn't start at 7 a.m. It starts at 9 or it starts at 11. Don't judge me. If I want to sit down here over the weekend and do absolutely nothing but watch parks and recreation, that's what I do. Because at the end of the day, I need to be realistic about the goals that I want to meet. And I need to realize that what makes me happy is not necessarily necessarily well a million dollars you know what i mean <laughs> as i'm saying i'm like mm. but still like that's not that's what that's not what's driving me and i think i think coming to terms with what's driving me and what's going to make me happy mm. has been like the best part in terms of finding balance between both my hustle and my career otherwise everybody else suffers i'm not a great lawyer and i'm not a great publisher how does that work out for anybody so i try to curate and restrict the amount of work that comes my way as well as delegating to make sure that I'm at my own optimal and that's all that matters
0: to me. Amazing. Um, and I want to ask a little bit about building a team and finding the right okay. people to delegate to. Um, what mm-hmm. are the key learnings that you've learned? Because as you said, this has been blood, sweat and tears. You've put so much mm-hmm. on this. Um, how have you yeah what lessons have you learned (laughs) I think first for me I always think this is
1: a great question is first of all not just jumping to the first person that applies on Instagram (laughs) because everybody's always just super excited because um obviously they love your brand you've worked so hard to create this amazing brand and then so everybody's like at first they think it's just something that involves like posting a couple of pictures on Instagram like you know what I mean and um (laughs) I'm just (laughs) I'm telling you my truth (laughs) so like I remember like a couple of times when I first realized that I couldn't do it by myself, I had started posting, this is when it was still hour perfect. I would post my job descriptions on my Instagram and I'd get like hundreds and hundreds of applications within the hour. And all of them would be like, oh my God, I love what you do. And then I just want to do it. And then after like two weeks or after they finished planning their wedding, things kind of just kind of taper off and you're wondering, hey, what happened? Like, nobody's going to be as invested in your brand as you are. Obviously that goes without saying, but finding the right person involves a lot more. So like come up with tricky, come up with brand specific questions to ask them, vet them. Like, I think it's really important, but then most important for me has been trial and error because sometimes like when you're starting off, you don't even know what you're looking for. Mm. So give yourself the grace and the room (laughs) to be able to pick and choose who works for you because eventually you'll get it right. My um, editor, The lady that works with me, who is like has become my complete right hand in terms of like my content and everything. She's been working with me since 2015. That's five years. And she actually was somebody that had applied through like in that big bulk of people that had applied. But I'd hired somebody else along with her, and that person didn't last two weeks. But she has been someone that has literally been able to seep through and understand what my brand was. And I think it's also really important in that same vein to be able to like, you need to know what it is your brand is about. So like knowing that you're able to communicate it to somebody else and let them know that this is what I'm looking for. Otherwise, both of you are doing yourselves disservices because you're going to always be disappointed that the person is not getting what your, what your vision
0: is and they will always keep scampering trying to please you. In terms of your business, what still motivates you after so many years and how do you continue to innovate? I think, oh, I love this question. Um, I, for me,
1: it has always been going back to like what 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 my essence is and what I'm doing, which is why actually I rebranded the whole thing last year because I found myself just doing it because I had to do it. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I was just shelling out the same content and I didn't even really care about what I was doing. So I was kind of completely detached from it until I realized that the essence of what I was doing was the celebration. It's not even necessarily about weddings. I don't believe, like weddings aren't for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that marriage is for everyone. And I don't, I'd, I'd never want to be sending that message to anyone that it's all about I think marriage is beautiful when it's done right but um, I think that marriage like any other thing is just one step or one possible option in a woman's life so it was really important for me as a woman and I think also that came with age and like you know discovering so many facets of me as a woman it was really important for my brand to reflect that.
0: Amazing so moving on to challenges um are there times when you've had to sacrifice to pursue your hustle and your business and um be a wife and a mother and also just your own sense of identity as a woman um yeah what sacrifices if you don't mind sharing have you had to make and how have you kind of wrestled with that reality oh it's part of
1: that's all the time i think part of what has really um held me back and at the same time brought me forward is like the various things, like so much is happening. Like I said, so much is happening in a woman's life at a time. And it's, it's something that like, it's really difficult, especially when you're in a forward-facing brand, like a celebrations brand or something where you have to keep the happy and keep the momentum all the time. Like for five years out of the Seven that I was running out. Perfect. I was struggling with struggling with infertility, and it wasn't even it wasn't one or two things. I mean, I was like it was like you know medical, and it was I was going through so many um, cycles of in um in vitro fertilization. I was going through so many like depre- bouts of depression, like intense like sadness throughout this period. But then you have to keep going because especially when you are so hands on with your brand, and when your brand is literally maybe two or three people. Mm you, you find yourself having to do a lot of like, you know, you find yourself having to do a lot. And then the minute that you're not able to, your brand suffers. So for like an entire year, I, I was not present in my brand. I lost a lot of business. I lost a lot of like, like vendors, clients and things like that, because I just could not physically be present at that time because emotionally I was a complete wreck. And my, my, my marriage, thankfully, was stronger, but like it was there was a lot going on, especially since I had to physically be here to go through a lot of it. So I think sacrifice happens, period. It happens. And just a matter of deciding how what it looks like. You know what I mean? Like there's so much going on and you have to be able to be honest about your, to yourself or at least recognize that there's so much there's only so much you can do. So over the years like my 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 career has been up and down because there's only so much that I could do.
0: And I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um and then I want to hear about some of the highlights and things that you're really grateful for both in the journey of balancing um your business your life Oh God, so
1: many things. Like for one, if we're going to speak about it from like, you know, from the our perfect perfect aspect, um, for one, I'm really, really grateful and honored that so many brides and couples were like, you know, have been impacted by the things that we have shared.
0: Mm. I
1: think it's really important. Like, like when you're, starting this new journey or even like when you're planning something as simple as your kid's first birthday. It's really important, like that I believe that information is literally one of the most valuable things. That it's probably the most valuable thing that you can sell to another person or that you can bless another person with. So um being able to help somebody figure something out or help somebody feel like they're a not alone. It's just, it's, it's something that means everything to me it's like being able to be useful is something that just means the world so I'm glad and so so proud of that in terms of my brands obviously in the legal aspect I'm really happy to be able to help my clients move forward and like protect themselves and secure the bag like I like to say so um for those two things I think everything always still comes down to being useful I'm really really proud of the brand I have created with perfect I'm glad that we've been featured from every we from CNN to BuzzFeed, obviously, and then just so many things. But then the reach as well goes beyond beyond nationality, beyond race, beyond everything. It reaches people like me inside,
0: and that's what matters to me. Amazing. Um, and then in life, like maybe one or two things.
1: <laughs> oh, in life. Um, so I am, like, well, in life, I mean, I shared my infertility story, um, like when when I had my son and uh, God have mercy. That has been the most,
0: it's incredible I how- then like, reading that and I wasn't even married. I didn't even know you, but it was just, yeah, I think it's one of those things we don't talk enough about in our- yeah generation that just to actually hear no that's not the case at all and so many people I've had so many friends struggling with it just your honesty when you didn't need to be vulnerable no one besides your circle needed to know I just thought it was one of the most beautiful things to share that with so many Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for saying that. I really appreciate it.
1: Um, yeah. So for me, that was it. Like, I think that has been like one of the most important things that have ever happened to me, not just going through it, but then finding purpose in it and also sharing it with other people, because I have never, ever received a response like that before. Like, obviously I've gotten the up and down being a Christian woman. It's difficult sometimes because they say you're sharing it before this, the child has come. You're the devil into your life, blah, 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 blah. blah. And, Trusting in trusting in your faith, trusting in God's timing, and trusting in the purpose of everything has been like absolutely life-changing for me. I I knew I I knew of who I was before my infertility journey, but like I am so much of a better woman now and so much more confident in a lot of my choices because of like sharing my story. So for me, that has, and like I said, it goes back to the same thing. It's impact for me. I feel like there's so many times, and I, I, I don't know if you wanted to go to, into this, but like there's so many times that I feel like I have seen God's hand in my life
0: mm-hmm.
1: that this one was completely like a game changer for me. And it was just like, it changed everything. And so it, it didn't just change things in me, but it changed things in a lot of women out there. And that's honestly going to be like, sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, I hope people don't think I'm talking about this too much or something like that. Cause I don't want it to become something that I'm not wearing it as a, like a shtick or something like that, but it's something that
0: changed my life. And I just kind of want to remind people that it's happened. So we've touched a little bit on it, but um, as your career, you have grown as well. What have you learned about yourself and also kind of looking out for yourself and self-care? Oh my goodness.
1: Like I have learned so much. I have learned so much about being like, from the beginning, I've learned so much about being a better businesswoman. I think that it's 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 always so easy to see or plan things out in theory, especially when you read a book or when you like when you see other people doing it. It's so easy for you to say this is this 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 this, but like being an entrepreneur is like it's like pitfalls. It's like it's it's short. It's like it's it's short, but it's also like you know like little things can happen at any point. Like you know things that you wouldn't even expect. Things that you could practice, 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 practice for, and you'd be shocked that this happened to you. And I think for me, that has been like a complete curve, like learning curve for me, like learning how to handle like instability, learning how to handle being responsible for other people, learning how to handle being like, like a stone cold business person at the same time. Like there's so many facets of being, a career person and I think that over this last year of like over this last couple of years of having to do it myself and like having to lead it's been a learning experience for me as a woman it's been like absolutely beautiful to understand that we can do so many things Mm -hmm. it's also been beautiful to know that i don't have to do so many things like i don't like i don't i I don't have to like it's not it's 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 never that deep and my self-care especially since like i told you like the period of infertility was just so draining for me that now i do what i want (laughs) i do what i want as much as i can because some two-year-old is running my life but still like i do what i need to because I have to be happy. I'm in my thirties. I have like, by God's grace, I have so many more decades to live unless this is the end of the world right now. I'm not sure. (laughs) I I have so much going, like I I have so much that I want to do and I refuse. I know, like, especially from how I grew up, how everything, how my life has, my trajectory has moved over this. I just know that I do not want to be an unhappy woman. I don't. As a mother, I don't want to be an unhappy mother. I don't want to be an unhappy wife and I don't want to be an unhappy kumbi period. So that's 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 how that's how everything has shaped me over the years. Having something that I could call my own has always it's empowered me. So having something that I could say that this is my brand and this is what I have done, this is what I have said, this is what people have this is how people have taken it. It's really empowering to me, but it's also just one of the things that has empowered Kumbi as a person.
0: Amazing. Um, and my final question is: What anchors you, and what role does your faith play in your life?
1: Um, I love that. Um, anchors, there's so many things. I think for me, it's, like I said, it's little pieces that just kind of form each other. So like my friendships, my relationship with Christ, my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my child, my relationship with my mom and my siblings, like all those facets hold me down because you can say whatever you want to say about me or say whatever you want to say about like, you know, the things that I'm doing, but then I always come back there. Like as long as I'm being a good person in those facets and those people still love me, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that, I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus loves me. So <laughs> like that, like my mom says, like Jesus loves you, so it's okay. <laughs> so it's fine. Like I so said, those are the things that like kind of ground me in general. But in terms of my like faith, faith plays like many things. Like I said, I've seen, I've seen my relationship with God play out in several forms over the last, like over the period of my life, I've seen my relationship with God carry me through things. I see my relationship. I, I always say that I saw God during the bar exam in New York. And that one has always been something like my relationship with God changed when I was, when I was about to become a lawyer. And just like it changed again the day I had my son like beyond anything else, like my relationship with God, like I saw heaven, day I had my son. And I always say it. like, it's something that's like changed everything. And it's not even necessarily. I don't think it necessarily has to come with motherhood or anything like that. Obviously, like, like I said, there's so many things that a woman can do and motherhood is just one for some people. But for me, Something happened the day I had my my child, and it was just like those are the things that's how faith works for me. So, for me, it's just I know that I have this strong relationship, and I, I know that I have
0: this best friendship with God, and it's good. Amazing! Oh, could we? I'm so excited <laughs> for this. Um, it's oh. worth the wait, even though we couldn't do it in London. I know because know, normal. Normal. <laughs> 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 I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Oh been amazing. I'm yes, so inspired by all that you've achieved and all that you're doing. Oh I'm glad. Thank you, Ruth. Same. You do so much. I
1: magnify such a beautiful, beautiful brand. That feature, um, the edition um, with Suzanne, and I've, I've just always watched her and loved everything. Honestly, I have like all of the ones I have here. I think I have three Magnify editions. Oh, I, I absolutely love everything that you're doing. So I'm glad that you're you're continuing, and it's beautiful, and you're inspiring a lot of women.
0: oh thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and if you know anyone who might benefit from this, go ahead and share this with them. Also, don't forget to rate and review. It really helps us out. See you next time.